excruciating headache, which I've never had before. But, you know, me being me, it's tried to keep going, putting a brave face on. And, you know, I guess you should listen to your gut instincts in a way, because when I got out from the underground, I saw an ambulance and I thought, you know, that's for me. She said, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm, 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 I'm not. I think I need to go home. So my mum was guiding me back to the underground, something which I wasn't looking forward to because it's a closed environment, very hot. And uh, I collapsed. You know, I, I started feeling my my right leg, feeling numb. The leg that I used to, like, you know, strike a goal, you know, and it, I used to, like, pass, run freely down the football pitch. And now I could feel my right leg. I thought, you know, this is a heart attack or something you know, because my dad passed away as a, with a heart attack. So I was thinking automatically it's something to do with that. And, you know, I, I, I there and then I just collapsed. And when the paramedics did, did come, they diagnosed me with anxiety due to my age and the location of the underground itself. And I couldn't, <laughs> people were so generous walking past. They gave me, I could have opened a shop with all the drinks I had. I blacked out. So they put me into um, a cubicle at the time because the symptoms I was giving, but because I was losing that vital time or fast, they just treated me then and then. So they gave me the de-clotting de drug and that's when we realised actually that was the wrong treatment. I deteriorated and they were like, what's going on here? And they gave me an MRI and realised it's a bleed. Hello, Mark Goodyear here. Welcome to Stroke Stories. This is the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Today we hear from Claire Whitehouse from Dorset in the UK. Claire suffered a stroke in 2010 at the age of 19. I was a very, very keen footballer. So I've got special needs, so comprehending and understanding the English language. So that came with some challenges. So I was at the age of six, introduced to football just to give me that discipline and that structure. And I absolutely loved it and breathed it. So I was playing till the age of 19. So from the age of six to 19, I was playing football. I loved school and I was studying at the time childcare diploma level two and level three, which gratefully I passed. Yeah, that's when I... Um, unexpectedly had the stroke unfortunately so you know I was very much of a social being had a lot of friends you know as a as a teenager you're going out with friends you know getting introduced to maybe dance and nightclubs and enjoying yourself and being a bit more of a free bird and obviously as my mum you know she was kind of like letting me to blossom what was very difficult for me when I was a child was losing my dad. So I lost him at the age of 15, which was really, really difficult because, you know, my whole childcare was evolving around him and all the interaction we had. And, you know, I I remember it vividly. So I think from that, as I've grown older, I've kind of gone through PTSD and, you know, I feel like I've grieved for him probably about way too many times. So that was quite a stressful period. And then that's when, you know, stroke hit me at the age of 19 and it was an 
um, a shock to everyone. So I went to London with my my friends and uh, my mum and her mum. And we were going up there actually to see the Waxwork Museum. We went up there, decided that wasn't the one because there was a massive long queue. So we went to the underground. And that's when I started feeling incredibly odd. I can remember when I was in the underground on the tube, you know, I was seeing my reflection and I just felt like part of me was missing. And I had this excruciating headache, which I've never had before. But, you know, me being me, it's tried to keep going, putting a brave face on. And, you know, I guess you should listen to your gut instincts in a way, because when I got out from the underground, I saw an ambulance and I thought, you know, that's for me. But I thought, no, don't be silly. Don't be silly. And I went into a restaurant, was excruciatingly sick. So I took myself by myself to the bathroom. I, I, goodness knows how long I was there for. But it felt like every the cubicle was closing in on me. You know, the light felt like it was cooking my scalp in a way. And I started losing my balance. And I had my hand on the cubicle walls trying to hold myself to kind of like compose myself a bit. You know, I was thinking, look, this is a day out with the girls. They've been looking forward to it. Come on, sort yourself out, Claire. This is this is just like any just any ordinary flu. But then I thought, I need to go home, you know, and just draw the curtains a good sleep, which, you know, I know is probably actually not the best thing to do. But I said to my mum, when when I finally my friend came down and says to the toilet, she said, Are you okay? And I said, No, I'm 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 not. I think I need to go home. So my mum was guiding me back to the underground, something which I wasn't looking forward to because it's a closed environment, very hot. And uh, I collapsed. You know, I, I started feeling my my right leg feeling numb. The leg that I used to like, you know, strike a goal, you know, and it, I used to like pass, run freely down the football pitch. And now I couldn't feel my right leg at all. Um and my mum was trying to guide me through this crowd and I just collapsed. And uh, I thought, you know, this is a heart attack or something, you know, because my dad passed away as a, with a heart attack. So I was thinking automatically it's something to do with that. And, you know, I, I, I there and then I just collapsed. And when the paramedics did, did come, they diagnosed me with anxiety due to my age and the location of the underground itself. And I couldn't, people were so generous walking past. They gave me, I could have opened a shop with all the drinks I had. And when I got to the ambulance, they, I don't know what the word is, two in blues. They put me, didn't put me um, as like a fast emergency. So we basically, my, my friend, you know, had gunshot straight in the front, had to tour of London. And you know, I wasn't feeling right. And I was slowly just feeling like I was getting more distant. When we got to the hospital, and that was St. Thomas, I went to just the A&E department and, and sat there with my mum. And we were waiting for quite, it felt like forever, but I can't tell you actually how long it was. <laughs> but that's when I slumped. And my mum used to actually work in the straight unit. And that's when she said, this is a stroke. And that's when everyone rushed to me. In hospital, 
Claire's condition started to deteriorate. This is the thing that I can't only remember. Obviously, as time's gone on, I've got to understand what had has happened. But I blacked out. So they put me into um, a cubicle at the time because the symptoms I was giving, but because I was losing that vital time or fast, they just treated me there and then. So they gave me the declotting drug and that's when we realised actually that was the wrong treatment. I deteriorated and they were like, what's going on here? And they gave me an MRI and realised it's a bleed. So with that, I had a second bleed the following week, which made me disabled. So I was recovering with the first stroke slowly. And that's when I was laying in bed again, just after some progress. And because of that treatment, I had a second bleed. And that's when I became disabled, unfortunately. And when I say unfortunately, I guess things happen for a reason. But at that time, it was extremely difficult. I had a partner at the time who obviously, understandably, didn't know how to handle that. I had a lot of friends, but they also found it very difficult. Maybe now that I've got a bit bit older, I realised actually maybe they couldn't cope with it. But I'm paralysed on the right side of my body, on my left face. So I'm very lucky to have survived because it was a bleed in the cerebellum, so just above the spine, so in the brainstem. And I was inches away from locking syndrome. So actually, you know, in hindsight, I am very lucky for not only being here, but able to live a life in a way. Claire was in hospital for a total of nine weeks. It was extremely difficult. So during that time, you know, there wasn't really any six-month review or, you know, the care was different to what it is now. So I just started physiotherapy at St Thomas and then got transferred to Royal Bournemouth Hospital. There was there was no rehab as at the time. So I was just basically getting physio every day, which I'm really actually very lucky because not, not a lot of people would, would be able to get that. So I was getting physio every week. I didn't get any salt at the time, though I've got some difficulty with my, my speech because I've also got Bell's palsy and difficulty processing information and word finding. So I didn't get as much in-depth care. The main issue for me was the trauma of going into hospital and seeing that it was elderly patients. And some, I actually can remember trying to communicate with one and saying, ah, to a patient saying, oh yeah, there was nothing. And then the nurse said, it's because she's got dementia. So I was in a ward with elderly patients dementia, Alzheimer's, or anything involving the brain in general. So it was a very difficult time because, you know, I can I had the trauma of the noises that I would get through them in the night or the shadows of the nurses helping somebody during the night. So that was quite traumatic for me. I found music <laughs> helpful in a way to, like, shut out any noise. And also then that's when neuropathic pain came when I started moving in 2010 this wasn't as spoken about as as much as it is now still then it's still not not understood 
as well, neuropathic pain, and it got to the point where it was crippling me. It's basically because of the, the connection in my brain being damaged, nerve signals and center would send off wrong, wrong signals to my brain. So my hand would look absolutely fine. It would look like any normal hand. And then suddenly it would cramp up and feel like it was in a clamp being tightened and tightened and tightened. And I felt helpless. Like, and that's when, you know, I'd, I'd get comments from, unfortunately, some nurses about, is this attention seeking? But that's when a neuro- neurologist came came and said, actually, this is a natural part of what happens when you have a stroke. Sometimes that sometimes neuropathic pain happens, and it's a way of us trying to. I remember my my neurologist saying to me, like, "Don't call it pain, call it sensations." And I was like, "How can you call this sensations?" Because <laughs> they they weren't. But then it's all about how we understand our mind. You know, that's where meditation came into play. So it was really. <laughs> Something that I was just like very was very difficult to understand. You know, it's you know it stopped me in my tracks. I was no longer going to go to uni. I lost a lot of friends, and I couldn't see because uh, I had on my left left side my eye was turned into my nose, so I had to have operation for that and Botox into my eyeball, which was quite difficult. So I couldn't see much either. So it was a very difficult time and I now that I've got older I understand why a lot of people find it difficult themselves to come to terms with because I did too. Coming up, Claire talks about getting help from the Stroke Association. I was an ambassador um, probably 2011 uh, for Stroke Association just for like I need to do something I'm 19 I'm young I'm laying here next to a commode I need to do something for my brain so I studied childcare management and then that's when I decided I'm going to do ambassador become an ambassador with the Stroke Association and gives her advice to stroke survivors you're enough you're loved and believe in yourself. You know, try to reflect on that day when you're in the bed and try as hard as it is to not reflect too much on the past you, but recreate who you want to be. Recovery is up and down, but take each day as it comes. Let's hear how Claire's recovery is progressing. At the present day, I'm doing great but there's not saying that tomorrow's going to be difficult. <laughs> and they are actually, recovery is ongoing. And it's really hard to kind of just say that, you know, it's going to be a, it's an, an ongoing journey. And I think, you know, though we can try to, you know, help the, with the physical, it's also the mental and the emotional part of recovery. So at this present day, I'm, I'm doing well. I work for Stroke Association, so that's that's kind of like a blessing in a way. It's, it's helped me to help others through the process because, you know, you only truly understand stroke when you've been in someone's shoes. You've understand the similarities that you may be going through. And I feel that we have like a connection and it's nice that we can support other stroke survivors 
and gain that community that people aren't alone. So I, I've got a lot out of my turmoil in a way and my struggles. And, you know, I'm not saying I want to, you know, go back to that or anything, but I've also been able to gain a lot from it. I was an ambassador um, probably 2011 uh, for Stroke Association, just thought like, I need to do something. I'm 19, I'm young, I'm laying here next to a commode. I need to do something for my brain. So I studied childcare management. And then that's when I decided I'm going to do ambassador, become an ambassador with the Stroke Association. And by doing that, that's when someone else came in who's a beautiful lady called Sarah Day who was my manager at the time and now basically she just said to me okay I want you to work for us I want you to work for the Stroke Association and that was in 2016 so I think I've been working with them for eight years and it's you know (laughs) I mean I couldn't even post it figure out how to put an address on a letter that's how my cognition was so I gained a lot from it from my cognition from my understanding and it's it's helped me to rebuild myself recreate who I want to be so through the stroke association I've um was an admin so I do like the referrals I'd input them and then I became coordinator for Dorset also Dorchester and Bournemouth and you know gained a lot of interactions and gained a lot of relationships and friendships and actually I gained a lot of friends from it you know you can that's one thing I've gained is to find out who my true friends are and the ones that I want to make so that has also been a blessing in a way. And now I work as a bank coordinator. So that varies in different locations. So you might be lucky to get Claire Whitehouse on the end of the phone calling you guys if you ever want Stroke Association's help. And finally, Claire thinks all stroke survivors should know their worth. Well, I'd say to a stroke survivor that you're enough, you're loved and believe in yourself. You know, try to reflect on that day when you're in the bed and try as hard as it is to not reflect too much on the past you, but recreate who you want to be. Recovery is up and down, but take each day as it comes and also keep journal. Keep a journal, guys, you know, because some days are better than others. And if we can look back and say, see that actually... This person, oh, yeah, I had a great day yesterday. Uh, Today, I feel not that great. The fact that you can look back and actually say tomorrow could be better is something. And to a loved one, I would also say you're enough. You know, like we don't feel like we're doing something for doing enough for somebody, but you are. And, you know, even if you can't fix something or someone just by being there, goes a long way we just need patience patience with a, with someone we love and also just talk to each other I think talking to each other is a huge thing and I know that some stroke survivors you know have difficulties um, communicating and if that means just do some art or ways of expressing do it because then you can talk to each other just in a different kind of way so that's what I would say you know 
remember you're worthy, okay, guys? Because that's one thing that I, I've, I found difficult. You know, the mental health side of stroke is as challenging or as probably as more challenging than physical is the mental side of it. So just remember that, you know, you, 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 you've got this and you're good enough. Claire suffered her stroke when she was just a teenager and it completely disrupted her whole life, her education, her friends, her career. But she's made an impressive recovery and with the help of the Stroke Association, she's now back at work and getting ready to marry her best friend, Frankie. Thank you for listening to Stroke Stories. Please do recommend the podcast to anyone you think it might help. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor, and there's a story you can share we'd love to hear from you, do get in touch via our DMs, which are always open on Twitter and Instagram. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. <laughs>